0: No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Blog Talk Radio.
3: Welcome to the program, everybody. You're listening to the South Bay Show. South Bay Spotlight on Thursday, June 11th, 2020. I'm your host, Jackie Balestra. Now, for those of you who haven't yet heard, our longtime host, Joe Terry, has taken a teaching gig this summer and is unable to join us on Thursday morning, so I'll be taking over hosting duties for the next couple of months, and I thank you for tuning in. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and there is no better place to do just that. This segment of the South Bay Show is brought to you by Your Actualized Visions. A local advertising agency, Your Actualized Visions offers all your advertising needs under one roof. From logo design, business cards banners, and signage, to online services such as website design, SEO management, promotional videos, reputation management, and loyalty promotions, you name it, and your actualized visions will handle it for you on time and under budget. Built on the needs of their clients, your actualized visions is competitively priced and economical, saving you money and greatly enhancing your bottom line. At Your Actualized Visions, customer service is all local with one point of contact. No more dealing with robo-answering machines, getting the runaround, or speaking to someone in another country. Your Actualized Visions understands your hyper-local advertising needs and focuses on bringing you real clients. They do not buy likes, followers, or fake results. Your campaigns are real, built with real community followers who want to purchase your services and products. The only thing standing in the way of your company's success is you now picking up the phone right now and calling Your Actualized Visions at 310-413-8773. To learn more about what Your Actualized Visions can do for you and your company, visit the website at youractualizedvisions.com. Your Actualized Visions, your dreams today, not someday. You can learn more about the show and listen to prior episodes on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the South Bay Show or on my website, southbaybyjackie.com. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose, that's what we talk about here on the South Bay Show. And joining me this morning is our new co-host and producer, Deanne Chase, founder of Chase Law Group. For all your business needs, visit the website at chaselawmb.com. Good morning, Deanne. I am thrilled we'll be working together for the next few months, and I want to thank you for stepping up and taking on producer and co-host duties.
1: Ah, good morning, Jackie. I'm I'm really excited to be on this adventure with you. I love your show. I've been featured a few times in the past, and I think it's just a fab- fabulous service to the South Bank.
3: Thank you. Thank you. As you said, you've been our guest several times. And when when Joe dropped this in my lap that he wouldn't be around this summer and I'd have to, you know, be the big dog on the show, I I, I started freaking out a little bit. Uh, And then I I went down my list of people that I thought could could, you know, you know, Bring it, and you were it. You were you were it. It was a very short list, by the way. It was a very short list. So uh, again, thank you. It. I I I really I really appreciate it. So anyway, uh, Deanne, we are featuring the city of Manhattan Beach today, your hometown, where your business is located. Uh, you know all all of our guests this morning. So um, let's get right to it, okay? Who are our guests this sure, morning? Sure,
1: yeah. Yeah, Manhattan Beach, my hometown and where my business is located. And I'm so excited uh, for my first show to be uh, talking to uh, high-ranking officials from our lovely city of Manhattan Beach. Our guests are Police Chief Derek Abel and Fire Chief Darren Drum. Uh, We've had a lot to contend with these last three months, as every city in the county has, but uh, this morning it's all about Manhattan Beach. Our guests will bring us up to date on how they're handling the ongoing pandemic crisis, peaceful protests, and the recent civil unrest. Good morning, Chief Abel, Chief Drum, thank you for coming. Welcome to the program. We're thrilled and honored you could join us this morning. Good
2: morning, Deanne, and good morning, Jackie, and Deanne, welcome aboard. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. I will just say Thank you for having us this morning. I think uh, obviously this has been a very trying time for all of us the last two and a half to three months. And uh, I don't think anyone uh, that is being honest with antif- would have anticipated that uh, we would be where we are today with what we've had to deal with in 2020. That being said, mm-hmm. I think uh, at least in the city of Manhattan Beach, we have tried to really work together. And I know that extends beyond Manhattan Beach to all of our South Bay cities. And I'll touch a little bit on that later, but I think for the city of Manhattan Beach, uh, we have had such a great relationship with our community over the years. And I think building those partnerships helped us uh, throughout and is continuing to help us. So with regard to the COVID-19, I think uh, Chief Drum uh, can speak more intelligently to uh, more of what, um, in terms of the infection and and how that's uh, being addressed, and, and more importantly, what impacts it's had on our community. Well, from a standpoint from the police department, I will just tell you that uh, what we have tried to do, more importantly, is to reduce fears, concerns, uh, get people to work together and try to communicate. I think many cases when you when you have, at least with COVID-19, um, the, the fears that, that start to take place and information that is coming out in droves, Where's the right information? How are we conveying that information to our community to help them navigate through this difficult time? And and what are we doing to ensure their safety? Uh, So we put together obviously an emergency operations center with all segments of our city uh, functions uh, to help in that effort to ensure that we're communicating at every level uh, possible. Um, We don't always get it right. I think the last time I was involved in something of this magnitude was 1992. Uh, in the L.A. riots, and you have to dust off all of your emergency uh, responses and information that you have to try to work through those things to make sure that you're meeting the needs of the community. With respect to that, though, I think we've been able to send out information and and make sure that we keep our uh, residents, our business community informed about what's happening. Has it been a difficult process? Yes, uh, as with any uh, community, Um, but I think we are all trying to work hard and work together uh, with that said um and i chief can speak more to the COVID 19 uh with regard to the protest the uh demonstrations chief
3: chief chief Chief, i want to take it one at a time let's take it one at a time by the way you're making my new job easiest uh, so easy you're the best guest (laughs) ever ever um let's let's stick let's stick with the pandemic for now we have other things to get to we have the whole hour so we can take our time so chief drum do you want to expand on what uh, Chief Abel was just uh, explaining?
0: I do, and thank you very much again for for um, allowing us to showcase our city and, and share with you some of the things that, that, that we have done as an organization to, to address COVID-19. Um, I've been in, in the fire service for uh, quite a long time, and nobody has ever dealt with a pandemic before. So we were literally... Uh, building the plane as we were flying it. We have plans um, sitting on the shelf that we, that we had to dust off and say, okay, now this is a reality. And um, I want to commend all aspects of, of the city and county government for coming together and, and really um, focusing on the safety of our citizens, the safety of our, our, our employees, and the well-being of, of everybody involved. So as Chief Abel alluded to, um, you know, we opened up our emergency operations center early on in this incident. We were probably one of the first in, in uh, uh, Los Angeles County to declare a state of emergency and then open up our emergency operations center, albeit we opened it on a limited basis. And then we sat around in this room looking at each other and thought, okay, we're not socially distanced here. Um, mm-hmm. What are we doing wrong? And, and to, to have to rewrite the, the entire playbook based on social distancing, we now yeah. have a, a virtual EOC. And, and um, I wish I would have been smart enough to buy stock in Zoom early on. Because, um,
1: <laughs> Me too. I thought of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I can tell you that, that, that um, the city manager, the mayor, Chief Abel, and I, and all of our department heads in the city, Um, participate in in multiple um, virtual or Zoom meetings each and every day that we um, four months ago were attending in a face-to-face manner. Um, You know, specific to the fire department, we've had to learn how to to, um, provide ongoing training in a virtual environment where we were used to um, -to face-to-face training. Um, With regard to our service delivery options, we've had We've had to rethink how we provide service to our community, as has the police department, as has our um, uh, community services department, our public works. Um, one of the things that we've done is we've asked our dispatch center to screen um, calls for service when they come in and say, um, has the patient had any um, exhibited any signs or symptoms of COVID-19 or flu-like symptoms in the last 14 days? Um, ha, can you please have the patient, if at all possible, meet us at the door so that we don't have to enter this environment with our people. One of the things that, 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 that firefighters are used to doing and police officers are used to doing each and every day is putting their lives on the line. And it, when we accept that risk, um, the, the day we, we, we raise our right hand and say, I, I will support and, and protect this community. But we don't we never thought that we would have the potential to take this um, this risk home to our families mm. and with covid nineteen yeah. we do have the potential to take this risk home to our families and 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 that is an absolute new paradigm for us a a, a new way of thinking. We have provided additional personal protective equipment we call it pPE for our people to the point where you know Six months ago, we didn't wear masks on calls unless we thought there was a reason why we needed to wear it. Um, this is, a, is an absolute new way of thinking for, our, for, for everybody involved in providing medical services and, and community services to the public. Um, and in the back of your mind, you're thinking, in every interaction, you're thinking, does this person have COVID-19, and how do I prepare, protect myself? And then um, subsequently, how do I protect my coworkers? How do I protect my family? Um, so we, we've adapted quite well. Uh, and now it's, it, it, we've blinked our eyes and we're, we're in a uh, you know, third of the way through the month of June when this all started in early March for us. And we've adapted quite well. It's, it's actually old hat for for the, um, the men and women who provide service to the community today. And um, that's a testament to their ability to, to um, rapidly uh, adapt, think on their feet. And, and a lot of our firefighters and police officers helped us come up with the new protocols of providing service. Wow. And, wow. Um, yeah. They're the ones providing the service and, and we're the ones providing the tools for them to provide this service, and 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 they really helped us mold our our new protocols for moving forward. Can I, I ask, ask you on? something? It's really David. amazing. I, I, yeah,
3: I, I want to ask ahead, you. So, um, as you mentioned, there, there there is a lot of fear. Um, when this first started, boy, everybody was scared, you know, out of their wits. Um, how is the yeah. how is the community specifically? Um, the people that you know providing service to, when you get a call and you explain to them, can you have them come to the door and have they exhibited symptoms? Um, how is the community community responding to
0: these these new
3: protocols? Yeah, are they, they, more they scared? Or are they?
0: Every everybody everybody was initially incredibly scared, and um, I can tell you, at one point in time, our city put out a press release that said to our knowledge, we don't have any uh, COVID-19 positive patients in our community. And um, a member of our community saw this and said, yeah, you do. I'm that Mm -hmm. person. And to his credit, he he called the city manager's office and said, you know, this is how I contracted it. And um, this is what I'm doing. He was in uh, quarantine with another gentleman, another person from our community. And they took it very seriously. And, and again, to their credit, they let us know. Uh, The day that I spoke with the gentleman, he'd actually been at the hospital the day before, and he did not call 911 because he didn't want to expose our people to this disease, to this infection. And he had the other person who was under quarantine drive him. Um, And and after that conversation with with that gentleman, it was when I, I sat down in my office and said, okay, this is real. He said, um, I'm, a, I'm a young person, uh, and I'm healthy. I work out. I eat right. Uh, and um, this has just kicked me in the gut. I've never been this sick before. And that's, and, and that's really when it hit me hard when I said, um, okay, this is real, and we need to do everything we can to protect um, our firefighters and police officers and healthcare care workers from contracting this disease. We need to protect our community from, from the spread of this disease. Um, I got on the phone with the city manager the, the next morning and I said, you know, I personally have not given this enough uh, credence, the, 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 the severity of this illness enough credence. I believe it was 2016, 2017, the, the flu, the normal flu in the United States killed 61,000 people. And I kept thinking that, okay, flu is, is a deadly disease. Uh-huh. uh but this yeah. but this disease actually um, hits the community harder. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I want everybody to remember that because I drive through this community every day, just as Chief Abel does, and I see a lot of people not wearing masks. And I tell you, my family, they wear masks. My employees, they wear masks. And if they don't, I, I remind them, hey, fellas, put your mask on. And you know what? To be honest with you, sometimes they remind me. Because I I get out of the car and I walk into a store and I turn around and have to go back to my car to get my mask. Um, Oh, the mask, yeah.
1: It's a new normal. It's hard to remember sometimes.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, it's, it
1: is. it's the latest it
3: accessory. It's the latest accessory mask. And when <laughs> I grab my purse and I make sure everything's in it, I make sure my mask is in it. But chief, you you were you were named fire chief for the city of Manhattan Beach in April of 2009, and you 19, and you basically had less than a year to get settled in when this pandemic hit. And I have to ask you, during your career in San Diego, have you ever had to deal with anything of this magnitude?
0: Yeah, it. Early on in my career, I, I, I had the, the absolute um, honor of responding for 9-11 as, as part oh, wow. of the San Diego Urban Search and Rescue team. And, oh. and, and that was, without a doubt, an, up to date, the largest response of, uh, for emergency responders and emer- first responders um, known. And, and um, I still remember walking on that pile. That's what we called it, the pile, um, the uh-huh. very first day. Um, throughout my career as a firefighter, I, I've, I was involved in the Cedar Fire in San Diego, which was devastating to the community. I was involved in the Witch Fire, which was dev- devastating to the community. I've been up and down the state on large incidents, um, but nothing that truly impacted the masses like this one. Um, 9-11 impacted the masses, and, and we all felt that pain, but it was it was centralized to... to you know, damage-wise to three communities. This is widespread across the entire world. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, chief Abel, now you began working for the Manhattan Beach Police Department in, I believe, 91 and became Chief of Police in 2018. Um, and a few months later, you were tapped as Interim Fire Chief, and you held that position uh, in addition to your regular duties for just over a year while the city conducted a, a search for a full-time fire chief. So you have unique insight to how both departments function individually, both individually and jointly. Now has that particular experience provided any advantage to you in dealing with, with the pandemic? Uh, first and foremost, let
2: me say, I've, when I did that, I went home and said, "What the heck have I just done?" <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> <laughs> it, was an, it was an incredible feat. You handled it quite well.
2: Well, thank you. But uh, I, I think what you've become is very humble, uh, humiliated in terms of what you think you know, but what you don't know. And so, I have a, a greater appreciation for what our fire services uh, provide and um, and what our chief uh, Chief Drum has to. Uh, manage on a day-to-day basis uh, with life-saving efforts. Um, I I will say, knowing what I do know now with having served in both capacities, I think what it did for us, and uh, again, I think Chief Drum can allude to this, is it brought about change within our own organizations and how we can better serve our community and build uh, our relationships amongst each other. As you guys know, sometime back in all these things that are happening throughout our history are happening so fast. Uh, we we tend to forget that. Not too long ago, we were talking about school shootings and uh, and what was happening uh, throughout right. the nation and how we, right right mm, we,
1: that's true. So
2: we're dealing we're dealing with trainings uh, at various schools and within our school district. I want to say we trained over eight hundred. Faculty and, and personnel, even within our own community. But when we did that, we did it together. We did it with police and fire. And uh, we actually work together as a team now to respond to uh, instances like that. God forbid we have something, but at least now we work together. I can't say in the past uh, we did that. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity uh, to have worked with the fire department to bring, a, bring all of us together so that we can serve an active and learn uh, actually what our firefighters do and how we can support them so chief drum talked about going into a home uh, and maybe having to have contact with someone during this pandemic that may or may not be infected well if there are other issues associated with that and sometimes there are people are very frustrated being at home and and think about this when you've been working every day and your loved ones have been going to school and everybody's uh, doing their own thing throughout the day and now you have to stay in the house together For the next couple of months, that brings about some frustrations and maybe things that you (laughs) haven't known about each other. Yeah,
3: especially (laughs) with the little with the little kids that
1: are going stir crazy. Yeah. There you go.
2: So bouncing off the walls. We get calls sometimes uh, where there is, uh, I will just say, frustrations going on in the home, and uh, we have to come out and 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 uh, address that and try to calm. And, and calm the situation if there's domestic violence of things other things involved we address that but I think more importantly being able to work with the fire department if there is a medical situation and you have some additional uh, emotions going on in there then how do we serve the fire department and make sure that we're not adding to the problem in terms of becoming infected or putting ourselves in a situation that requires them to uh, help us so I think we've all had to take a step back, and as all of you have alluded to is this is the new normal for us. Uh, as we speak today, from ten o'clock till six o'clock tonight, I think it is, we have school graduation for high school, and mm-hmm. who would have ever thought my daughter's we graduating have a- today? Yeah, well, oh. congratulations! She congratulations! A- right, and I feel bad yeah. because every parent wants to be there, sitting in that audience with their cameras, proud. Uh, and standing tall watching their child after you told them for 17 years how important education is. And they've been able to navigate through the difficult times of school and graduated with with success. And to have to do it this way, uh, I know it's somewhat heartbreaking, but I think we have risen to the occasion, so to speak, to find a way to accomplish it in a positive way and, and make sure these kids feel good about what they're doing. So pandemic, uh, it's resulted in some uh, you know some adjustments, but again, I think we're trying I think everybody's working hard uh, to make sure that happens in a positive way
3: you know chief uh, i I'm originally from New York City, and uh, the police department and the fire department there are it's they're infamous for having uh let's call it a friendly competition. Uh, with each other, the bravest, the finest, and uh, and it can get a little out, little out of hand sometimes. But um, in a smaller town like Manhattan Beach, uh, has there ever been any of that? And and the fact that you were at the helm at, for both departments for a while uh, maybe alleviated some of
2: that. <laughs> well, we haven't had any competitions like that. I think uh, most of us have passed that stage of being able to compete compete at that type of uh level so uh we're just happy to be able to come to work <laughs> be able to focus on the job but uh, again with the various functions that we have uh all of us do we do have a weight room a, a gym i should say a facility that we all work out in and uh we work together we we actually participate in various uh wellness programs together uh and i think what it's done over the years has brought us closer together so no we don't compete in that way but i think uh just having fun to be able to participate uh, together in the weight room and share with one another stories, reduce some of the stresses uh, that we have. The chief talked about it early, and I would just say with the employees in my department, they've been going nonstop for three months. They're, uh, none of us have had really any time off. Uh, there haven't been any breaks. Uh, they don't get to go home and telecommute, so to speak. So. The fear that many of them have had and a third of my organization is fairly new with five to seven years of time on so a lot of them are starting families so either their spouses are uh, with child uh or they have small children and the concerns about potentially infecting their families uh was i can't even begin to tell you how much that uh fear was present in the organization in the very beginning because then you have to go out and uh and not knowing what this disease really was at the time, and, and even though we had some testing available, what does that testing actually mean, and what would it mean for unborn children or young children? So there was a lot of fear going on at the time, and at the same time, you have to go out and serve. Uh, you, were, you know, did raise your right hand, as the chief alluded to, and said, you want to serve, no matter what the circumstances are, and you have to step up to the plate. But And again, we're all human. So we had to factor that in as well. And uh, talking to everyone in the organization, going to briefings, reassuring them that we support them. How do we figure out a way to make sure that we have boots on the ground on the street, so to speak, to serve our community, but at the same time, make sure that we're not doing something that is going to infect all of our workforces and come up with schedules and strategies to try to make that happen. And that was a huge undertaking uh, to try to come up with teams of officers, teams of people that would not cross contaminate or infect others if someone did become infected. So there was a lot more to this, and I think people realize it's not just coming to work and you go out and you work a shift. Uh, you really have to come up with strategies so that you are not impacting the organization in a negative way, thereby not being able to serve the community uh, at its best. So, oh,
3: I can't. So, it's for,
1: yeah, I mean, for really for both, you know, for both the police department and the fire department, it's such a difficult uh, exercise. I mean, I work with, I'm a business attorney, I work with businesses, and we, my clients are just, you know, trying to pivot whenever they get new information about this disease. How have you uh, been able to respond to the, to the different information coming in with regard to the disease, the disease and how to react to it?
2: Well, I think that we we try to you know and that's something else I will say vetting information making sure it's been researched verified uh, that you're not going on to websites and information that doesn't provide you with the best information we have tried to utilize the la county's information and stay in contact our city leadership uh, has made sure that they are doing that as well our press information officers uh, that we have, I can't even begin to tell you how hard they have worked every single day uh, to ensure that not only we have the information for our emergency operations center, but that we are sharing that same information with our community uh, as soon as we receive it. Uh, But I think making sure that you are in contact with the right sources uh, of information and make sure it's accurate and we're not sharing something that uh, is hearsay or has not been verified or even contributes, uh, in a negative way. So that, I think that's what we've been able to do. And I think that's helped us through this process.
3: Listen, um, before we, before we take a station break, I just wanted to ask chief chief drum. Um, I know that a while back there, the city had been considering a possible move to LA County fire services and, um, I I heard that there was supposed to be a feasibility study done at some point. I'm not sure where that stands now, but chief drum, what advantages did the residents of Manhattan beach have during the last few months by having their own fire department?
0: You know, uh, thanks. Thanks for that question. Uh, Let let me tell you, uh, LA County fire department is, is, is a, is a wonderful organization. And, um, but you know, having a small local fire department, you talked, one of you spoke, um, I think it was Deanne spoke about the ability to pivot. Um, Mm -hmm. this, this pandemic has required all of us to, to have adaptability and be able to shift, um, our focus quickly. And I can tell you when the tones go off here in the fire station and an address comes up, um, Many of these people have been to that house multiple times for that patient. They remember the, uh, the medications that that person takes. They perhaps have um, had multiple conversations with that person. So the, uh, one of the benefits of, of, of having that is, is that um, these folks have been in this organization their entire career in this city, either at Fire Station 1 or Fire Station 2. Um, either on the fire engine or the ambulance. So we have that uh, ability, uh, number one, to adapt quickly in, in a small organization. And, and number two, just to, to know every street in this city, to know the businesses in this city, to know which homes actually have basements, because oftentimes they did an inspection in, in, in that home during construction or went um, on a training exercise to, you know, look at building construction while that building, while that home was being constructed. So we, we do have that local knowledge and that, and that ability to adapt quickly, um, for which I'm, I'm yeah. incredibly grateful.
1: That's a great yeah. skill. That's yeah. A, that's, yeah, that's really critical in these times.
3: Jackie, I think it's time for a short break. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, uh, I'm your host, Jackie Balestra. i got to get used to saying that. I'm your host, Jackie <laughs> Balestra, and you're listening to The South Bay Show, which is a hyper-local podcast that airs every Thursday and Friday morning at 8 a.m. on Blog Talk Radio. Now, the show features the many fabulous things to do, places to go, and people to know in our South Bay. From El Segundo to the Palos Verdes Peninsula, we cover it all. So be sure to tune in each week to keep up with what's going down Throughout the South Bay, and we're back now. This morning, we're speaking with Chief Abel and Chief Drum from the City of Manhattan Beach, and we're discussing. Well, we're discussing the lost year of twenty. Um, yeah, it's just going to go down in the books as the lost year. Uh, so we covered a bunch about the pandemic. Um, now we're gonna we're gonna use that word pivot again uh, to discussing. Mm-hmm what's been going on in the wake of george floyd's death uh the protests. there's there was quite a bit of civil unrest uh earlier last week and 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 peaceful protests continue uh there have been dozens and dozens and dozens throughout the south bay over the last week uh chief abel can you bring us up to speed with how that is all going
2: Oh, wow. Uh, I would just say this is uh, not only was it a professional emotional time for me, but obviously a personal emotional time for me, uh, having all of us witnessed uh, what we saw uh, 2,000 miles away. I will say in terms of humanity, uh, I know we're talking about race in many cases, but humanity is what came to mind first is How do we treat someone in that manner? Uh, How is that possible that that's acceptable, that we can treat anyone? I don't care what race you are, what gender you are, that that is acceptable. So please know from us, uh, Manhattan Beach Police Department, and I think I speak even for the fire chief, is that that it's horrible. And uh, not only do we not condone it, but I think that's uh, something that we would say is, is something we would never want in our industries, ever. And it's not acceptable. Um, Having said that, the murder of of George Floyd uh, brought about a lot of emotions that were already existing within our communities having to deal with COVID-19. And when you have people that are already stressing about jobs, about how they're going to make the next payment uh, for their mortgage, how they're going to make sure they have food on the table for their children, and what are they going to be faced with as time goes on uh, economically? I think there was so much stress to begin with that this just took us over the top. And uh, we talk about systemic uh, implicit biases, racism, and things of that nature. I think this just brought it to the forefront. And so for us, for the city of Manhattan Beach, for, the, for our departments, uh, I think it just um, it brought about emotions in all of us. Uh, but I think we had to rise to the occasion once again and bring about calm uh, to make sure that we are serving as a role model for the rest of the nation uh, opening our ears, paying attention, listening. I, I, I use this analogy all the time uh, when talking to people. And it's, I've been married almost 32 years now. And it took me probably 25 years of that to figure out being a better listener is more important than
0: always uh, being the person
2: <laughs> that's talked, <taught>, right? So <laughs> I, think we, I think we all know that. So, I, but, I, but I think uh, what I've learned from all of this is, uh, to really listen uh, to what people are saying. And I have to tell you, um, I was so proud of our community, our city. I saw we had a what I call a, a young group of uh, demonstrators that wanted to put something together for our city uh, to express their opinions, uh, their concerns about uh, police brutality, about the state of, of uh, our society today. And I think they not only voiced it in, uh, in the right way, I think they were very eloquent articulate and their approach and uh, I have a great deal of respect for what they brought to us but it really caused me to take pause and listen to a younger generation of people um, that I can't think of a time when we all have come together like that you had people of all races uh, that came out in our city uh, to express their concerns and I was so proud of seeing that because what it said to me is everybody is involved in this conversation now it's just not one segment of our society i think everybody's paying attention and and everybody wants to come to the table and have some say so and hopefully participate in a way that brings about positive change and brings about unity uh, to all of our communities so that was uh that was our mind go ahead go ahead ahead. as
1: as a member of the as a member of the you know of our community here and with so much fear, with all the other protests that you saw on the news, people, you know, peacefully protesting, and then you have these instigators that came in and just created such chaos. You know, some of the things we were seeing on the television with, you know, businesses just being broken into and, and people walking out of these shops with handfuls of merchandise. It, you know, there was a lot of fear going into, you know, the the protests here in our city, and I think overall, like you say, the community really came together and did a really nice job in protecting the businesses and weighing the different, you know, the right to, to express, you know, concerns. And I, I just feel like, like you said, just really proud of our
2: community. Yeah. I was yeah. extremely proud to your point about what happened uh, in some of our other neighboring agencies. Uh, my friends, uh, my good friend, Chief Cindy Renaud in Santa Monica I felt so sad uh, for what I saw taking place uh, in that community. And that doesn't mean it can't happen in any one of our communities. And I agree with you, Deanne. I think everybody was nervous. Uh, People were afraid, concerned about what was going to happen, not only in our community, but many of our South Bay communities. And I think that uh, we took the right steps and talking to the very people that wanted to come in and and, uh, participate in in demonstrations to voice their uh, right to to be able to express their con, their concerns and, and uh, ideas. But I think uh, working together with the community also and our bi- business merchants uh, downtown to have those honest conversations and reassure them about what we were doing and more importantly, uh, how they can help us to help them. And I think working together on that and, and actually communicating, and that's the part that we talk about generally, communication, it goes uh, without saying how important communication is in all of this with all facets. Uh, When you have organizers that want to come in, the last thing you want to do is, you know, hold up a shield against them and and, uh, become defensive. If anything, sit down and listen and find out what it is that they want to do and how we can accomplish this in a way that benefits everyone. But to your point about the individuals that come in with bad intentions to begin with, uh, you know, we're all prepared for that. We we wish that it wouldn't come down to that. But I will tell you that uh, we had to – uh, arrest some individuals as a result of that late in the evenings uh, that came down with those bad intentions uh, finding them mm-hmm. with empty backpacks mm-hmm. and crowbars to cause damage uh, Before they did I think it was a number of our agencies uh, were able to address that before it, it became something worse uh, So to your point we were aware of that and I think we were able to protect our communities in the right way while still affording people the opportunity Uh, to have their voices heard. Uh, And I think so far it's worked out. I'm very, uh, I'm happy to say that right now, but I reserve my opinion because obviously this is not going to end right now in terms of people having frustrations. We have to work towards that. And that means that we all have to come to the table, roll our sleeves up. And I tell our employees this, you got to roll your sleeves up and get dirty. That means that you have to get out and, and talk to people and be willing to address your own fears of talking to people that maybe you are not uh, usually coming into contact with or you know nothing about. We all have fears, but if you don't open up and begin conversations about those uh, uncomfortable uh, situations about racism and implicit biases, we'll never get anywhere. Uh, So I, I think that's what we all need to work towards, and I'm happy to say we are taking steps in that direction.
3: You know, Chief, it's been so interesting Um, the communication that's been being, that has been happening, not just between your uh, different uh, departments and other communities, but on social media, you know, people are finding things on social media and they're they're sending them to the police department saying, Hey, uh, there's rumor that this is going to happen. People were sending me information uh, that I shared with a couple of different police departments. Um, one of the things that came out of this was that the curfews really worked. The curfews really worked because when there's a curfew in effect and the businesses are supposed to be closed and people aren't supposed to be out on the streets, it makes it so much easier for law enforcement to keep an, keep their eyes out for the people that shouldn't be there. Um, I know Torrance and Redondo Beach and Men- Manhattan Beach, and elsewhere, you know, people were aware. And and it just makes it easy. You see a, a carload of young guys driving around a place at 11 o'clock at night, you know, with a curfew, you have the authority to pull them over and say, hey, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be out. So so in Manhattan Beach, you, you had that same experience?
2: Uh, no doubt we did, and I think the curfew helped all of us tremendously. Uh, I had a number of people call me up. Uh, whether they were in the community or uh, in other communities, saying, hey, uh, Chief, uh, is it okay for me to uh, drive home? I'm driving home from work or I'm going to the store. And so my my comment was, if you are going to the store to get essentials or you're coming from work, uh, we're pretty obviously perceptive on that, and that's not what uh, we are looking for in terms of people coming out with nefarious uh, attitudes in mind and doing some damage. And so to your point, it did tremendously help us. And when you see uh, a group of subjects in cars that are just wandering around with no particular purpose, uh, then you want to investigate that to make sure that they are not doing something that is going to contribute in a negative way. But there's a delicate balance in that. And uh, you know, having that conversation about uh, people having the right to be out, uh, well, during a curfew, that helps us where. Uh, you're not supposed to be out technically, but you have to balance that with letter of the law versus spirit of the law and be able to recognize when someone is actually going out with a purpose to do something, to pick up a loved one, go to the store, or they just start roaming around for a bad intention. So great point. Yes.
3: Uh, uh, and with that, let me ask you, um, because again, I, I read a couple of accounts of what happened. It was after that peaceful protest in Manhattan Beach. I believe it was on June 2nd. Um, There was a lot of chatter online about people that had been casing parts of Manhattan Beach and other areas, downtown and over by uh, Manhattan Village Mall. And, um, and, you know, you don't know what's true and what's not. You know, there's a lot of information being thrown out there, but you don't know what's real and what's not. Can you tell us about that specific incident?
2: Yeah, so the intel that we receive uh, comes from – other organizations other entities out there that have shared information with us by virtue of them coming into contact with someone either by an arrest that they made and and, uh, conversations that they've had with them about what their intentions were and so some of that is true uh, where individuals were driving around the south bay that came from either santa monica beverly hills or la uh, for that matter after they uh, went out to protest or do what they were doing in those cities I will tell you in some instances of the arrest that we made and other agencies uh, that we did find stolen properties from those other jurisdictions uh, within their possession. Uh, so when they were arrested with those possessions, they weren't uh, afraid to tell us what they came in for. Um, so, yeah. and with the zero, zero bail uh, that's out there right now for um, making arrest of, of felonies and things of that nature i I think individuals know that the revolving door on our jail system right now is in play and uh that also contributes to this but we were aware of it and i think all of our cities came together to share that information to make sure that anyone was coming through our towns uh that we were paying attention and we were not going to let that happen and we did have resources and we all work together just so you know Uh, we we maintain a regional effort uh memorandum of understanding, if you will, to work with each other and respond to all of our needs. And I had uh, help from all of our neighboring agencies when, when we had our uh, demonstration on that particular day, but we do the same for everyone. So we help each other out. We listen to the radios of all of our jurisdictions uh, to make sure we're sharing information and protecting all of our jurisdictions.
3: Good to know. Good to know. Um, Chief Drum, how does the fire department prepare for protests and civil unrest? Um, you must, I mean, you're always on alert. I imagine it's pumped up a bit when stuff like that happens.
0: Yeah, um, that, that's, a, that's a very good question. I I was in my previous agency, we had a, an episode of civil unrest. And, and Chief Abel and I have had this conversation multiple times. Um, it, was, it was following uh, an officer-involved shooting. And in my humble opinion, it was a 100% legitimate shooting. I, I I put myself in the in in the 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 shoes of the officer, and and I could not imagine doing anything else than what he did. And um, it was portrayed in the media, you know, it, uh, poorly, and and it caused you know demonstrations, uh, potential violence, and Chief Abel and I have had the conversation that. Um, previously that, you know, year one good shooting away from, from civil unrest. And now it's, it's uh, changed to um, year one violent interaction. And the officer oftentimes doesn't control the level of violence that comes with that interaction. The person that they're in contact with is really the one in control. If you comply, there's no violence. Um, if, you, if you respond with violence, then, then the officer has no choice. So you, with, with social media and the cameras, they're, they're one violent interaction, regardless whether it was appropriate or not, away from civil unrest. And um, the, their world has changed completely. Our world, um, you know, specific to the fire service, what we do is, is we sit with the police department and, and go over their intelligence and we look at routes of ingress and egress to potential targeted areas. We staff up appropriately, we notify our neighbors, we build out our incident action plan um, to respond. We, we don't have the ability to control the, the crowd or control the level of, of um, discord or, or unrest that, that they bring. Um, in the fire department. We were very responsive to it. But we, we do pre-plan for events like this where we say, all right, this is, this is where we'll make our stand firewise. wise um, We will do everything to stop the fire at this point and not let it spread. We may have to write off certain structures and say, okay, well, if the fire's here, we're not going to stop it here, we're going to stop it here, which may end up allowing uh, one or two businesses um, that we probably just couldn't get to anyway. Um, we rely heavily on our mutual aid partners as they rely on us. We, the city of Manhattan Beach has sent fire engines up and down the state um, to to assist other communities with the expectation that we could put 100 fire engines in our city tomorrow if we had to. Um, wow. To, to help deal with, yeah, it, we, we absolutely could. Um, I can tell you uh, um, during the... Um, the the campaign fires that I've gone on, I've seen fire uh, fire engines from um, San Diego County in Shasta County, um, all up and down the state. The state of California has the most robust fire department mutual aid program um, in the entire country, where we absolutely understand that we cannot staff for our worst day. We can't provide. We can't put ten fire engines, um, ten fire engines at say the city of Manhattan Beach. On the side of them in our city, every single day, uh, we put two, but we can rely on El Segundo and Redondo Beach and Torrance and LA County and LA City to help us respond to these incidents. So we pre-plan. We get the intelligence from the um, from the police department. They have a much a much better intelligence system built out, and and have some um, some prediction models. Uh, we upstaff. We rely on them for force protection. If there's a fire in an area that that is um, uh, overrun by by uh, rioters or looters, um, then we rely on them for force protection. And um, there are times when we will not go into certain areas uh, because the uh, law enforcement can't guarantee our safety. Now, mm. again, as as, as I spoke that, yeah, to earlier, a lot. yeah. Yeah, well, as I spoke we to you we saw earlier, that on, with, on you know when, with
1: regard to all these other cities that were going, you know, the fires that were that were happening were just atrocious. But like you said, yeah. you know, being able to have that police protection to go into those areas was it, it, it's definitely touch and go.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it's it's we rely on our brothers and sisters in law enforcement to to watch our backs. Um, the the people in our fire department have. Um, trained, and we're ready to make an interior attack on on, a, on a, a fire every every single day we come to work. And and I'll tell you, you, you when you're standing in the door of a residence or kneeling, crouching at the door of a residence, and there's black, acrid smoke billowing out, um, that's that's our Disneyland. Um, that's what these <laughs> people have trained for. It's it, what it, you it train for, weird. right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I didn't understand it before I became a firefighter. But that's our Disneyland. That is, that is what we have trained for. That is what we, we in, in, a, in, in, a, in a weird way, we look forward to. And, and we're, we're in. I don't want anybody's house to burn down. But if it lights on fire, I want to be there. Um, and and, and my, my, my brother was a police officer for many, many years. I became a firefighter. I thought my brother was crazy. He thought I was crazy. My parents <laughs> thought we were both crazy. and but we're ready to do that make an interior attack on on a on an active structure fire um we're not used to getting um pelted with rocks on our fire engine we're not used to having our fire engines tagged we're not used to having people come up and scream at us um because they think that our actions are are unjust um whether they are or not uh, that's that's just not our world um our law enforcement brothers and sisters deal with that much more often. And, and we rely on them to help guide us through these times and protect us. Um, So we upstaff, we prepare our partners, we, we game plan. Um, This is really 90% a law enforcement show. And then we respond to deal with any, any bad outcomes
3: boy, city of Manhattan Beach is in good hands absolutely it is in good hands so okay, so no no looting in Manhattan Beach, no fires in Manhattan Beach, you know, from all of this, just your regular day to day disasters um, Chief Abel, if anybody has information that they want to share with you, um how do you recommend? they they get in touch with the uh, police department you want to give us some contact information phone number or website or something yeah I would
2: say that the direct phone number for us uh, our front and immediate contact is 310-802 5140 and that is the direct line to our front desk and anytime we receive information uh, they've been trained properly to ensure that they get that information to our watch commanders immediately and that that information is shared with our press information officer, community affairs, as well as our emergency operations center. Um, and there's a number of other phone numbers uh, that we can probably point out, but I think that's the most important one right now. That's the direct contact with us.
3: I have to tell you I, I know how busy those those uh public information officers are because I get alerts from all, i I signed up for alerts for all the South Bay cities and the county and the state, so my phone squawks like that you know that awful <laughs> noise it makes when those alerts come through uh no, I know how much they've been working and 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 I, I personally have to sort through them, you know, to to get the information out in a timely manner and get them up. But I'm getting I'm getting you know one alert. Most people, if you live in Manhattan Beach, you probably just sign up for Manhattan Beach. But because of you know what I do, I get news from all the local cities, and so I have to uh, you know I get I get everything thirteen times basically. So my my <laughs> phone never stops buzzing. Um,
2: I tell so, residents um, – let me just say I tell residents. I tell residents all the time, and I was talking to business owners uh, just recently downtown. I can't even begin to tell you how much uh, Nixle.com came up with regard to making sure that people were alerted on the most up-to-date information in our city, and how many people didn't know uh, about that. But what I did tell them, as much as you may come up with our zip code, nine zero two six six, I said, be careful that you are. And listing all of the other areas because, as you just alluded to, Jackie, that you're going to receive all of those texts from all those cities, and your phone is going to be binging all day and all night. And is that what you want? <laughs> so um, be careful with that. Be careful with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: it's, Nicole, it's a, Manhattan, <laughs> City of Manhattan Beach has been great. Yeah. City of Manhattan Beach has been great about putting information out. I think almost daily to the residents through Nixle. So yeah, if you had multiple cities, that would be, that would be very uh, disruptive.
3: Yeah. It, yeah. As I said, it doesn't, it's not a ping. It's a squawk. It's squawks. It's not, it's not a little ping. <laughs> Um And the other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, um, Chief, you mentioned Nixle. I got a notice a while ago that they were switching over to something called alert, alert SB or alert South Bay. Um, uh ever 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 uh, oh I'm trying to th- think of the name of the company that's running it but th- i've all, i've all, i'm also getting those so so those alert south bays, and then they break those down in between the, each city as well uh i guess right. your off your public information officers send it to them and then they shoot it out to everybody and uh but uh, but that is not it's not nixel it's another one i from what I understand they're going to be phasing Nixel out. I, I don't know if that's. Oh. Is, do you know if that's right? Anybody know if that's right?
2: That if is that, correct, that's, and, uh, yes. at least the fire chief can and can talk about that. It's Everbridge is the company, and we are Everbridge. also transitioning uh, to make sure we do the same thing. But we also want to utilize. We have over, uh, I want to say, twelve to fourteen thousand people that have already uh, enlisted the services of Nixle over the years. That we have really tried to have people subscribe in our community. So to transition that over to the Everbridge, uh, the Alert South Bay, as you indicated, uh, is a work in progress. But during something like this, you don't want to sh- try to switch over a change and uh, and lose all of the people who are connected to you in that way. So we will continue to transition to that company. But for right now, I think we still utilize the services of Nixle.
3: Okay. All right. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Um, you know, Chief Abel, Chief Drum, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, You know, this is a long-form media platform. We get to hear all the details. It's not just, you know blurbs here and there you know people can actually sit and listen and hear what's going on in their community and for the last couple of weeks and the next few weeks going forward we're going to be doing the same thing with other cities throughout the south bay we had el segundo last week and i'm scheduling Torrance to be on not next week in two weeks um so it's it's a great service you all provide for your city we thank you very very much uh deanne fantastic first day on the job
1: Oh, thank you okay. for having me and this is really great. So I learned I learned a lot about my own city. So, uh thank you so much.
0: Yeah. So, so Jackie, well, it, if uh, Jackie if I could, if I could. Yes. Um, yes. you know, dealing with with COVID-19 and and the um most recent civil unrest issues that 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 we've dealt with has has really been um it's not just the police department and the fire department. Um, it has been an effort by this entire community. Every employee in this city is, is, is learning a new way of, of doing business. From our elected officials to our part-time employees, everybody has contributed. Um, you know, one of the things that we did early on is, is worked out our continuity of operations plan. And I said, okay, finance, w- what is what is crucial for you? Because I think I know... I need, I, I want to continue to get my paycheck, but if we close down city hall, how is that going to happen? And public work, yeah. how are you going to continue to keep the, the, the streetlights? And when they go out, are, how are you going to pay, be able to continue to keep those things on and our uh, traffic signals? So everybody in this entire organization has contributed to the successful way that we've been able to mitigate it. And I'm incredibly proud to be part of the organization. Every city, um across the united states has done this um but this is the one that i see do it every day which makes me incredibly proud to be a part of
3: well let me just add that um mayor montgomery was supposed to be with us this morning and if he had been on he would have answered all those other questions um (laughs) (laughs) we'll have uh, to have him on another time yeah i had a i had a whole bunch of questions for him that involved all that other stuff but today we got the inside scoop on the fire department and the Police Department of the City of Manhattan Beach, Chief Derek Abel. Thank you so much for joining us this morning.
2: Jackie, thank you. I appreciate you guys allowing us the opportunity to share the insights of our city, and kudos to both of you for moderating uh, this, today, and Deanne, for your first time, I would say you guys knocked it out of the park. Well done. <laughs> we appreciate it. You guys made this easy on us. <laughs> thank, you. Well done. thank you. Thank
3: you. Thank Chief, you. Chief Darren Drum, thank you for joining us this morning.
0: Thanks for having us.
3: All right, everybody, that's our show. Thank you for joining us. And be sure to tune in tomorrow morning for Manhattan Beach Chamber 360. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.